where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Lectio Divina is an ancient prayer practice developed expressly for transformational purposes. It is a way of opening ourselves to God so we might be touched, awakened, realigned, integrated, and healed. Lectio Divina literally means divine reading, a way of prayerfully engaging with scriptures in order to hear God's personal word to you. This morning we're going to read the scripture from Mark of the Feeding of the 5,000 using Lectio Divina. In the classical form of the method associated with Benedictine spirituality, the passage is read four times, each with a different focus. I will read the scripture and then you will hear a bell in which we'll pause for a moment after each reading. Prepare now to hear God's word to you. Listen particularly for the word or phrase that stands out for you in this first reading. After the bell, sit in stillness, hearing the words and allow the word of God to form within you as you open yourself in attentiveness and expectancy to what God has for you. The first reading. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So Jesus and the disciples went ahead from all the cities and arrived before... I'm sorry, I need to start over. <laughs> the people saw them leaving and recognized them, so the people ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place, and it's late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. But the disciples said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? Jesus said to them, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, the disciples said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus directed the disciples to sit all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Jesus took the loaf, took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, 
broke the loaves into pieces and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets from the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Listen now to the same passage read a second time. This time, allow yourself to ponder what you are hearing in both your head and your heart. Notice the thoughts that arise in response to the word and notice the movements in your heart. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them, so they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. But the disciples said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? Jesus said to them, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, the disciples said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were at a banquet. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the bread into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Listen now to the passage a third time. This time, allow yourself to respond to what has touched your mind and heart. This response is your prayer, a prayer offered with faith and openness to God. How will you respond to God's call? Many people saw them leaving and recognized them, so they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and 
buy something to eat for themselves. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth eight months pay and give it to them to eat? Jesus said to them, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus directed the disciples to seat all of the people in groups as though they were having a banquet. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. As you listen to the final reading, allow yourself to simply be with God in stillness. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them, so they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place and it is already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth eight months pay and give it to them to eat? Jesus replied and asked, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus directed the disciples to set, seat all of the people in groups as though they were having a banquet. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Amen.
loaves and fishes is a miracle story. It demonstrates God's ability to act in surprising ways and transform human expectations. And because it's so well known, and even if it wasn't well known to you before now, you've just heard it four times. So you're familiar with the story, but what's often overlooked is, or not talked about, is what happens right before this miracle story. It's a massive gathering, and so it's worth asking, like, why were they all getting together? Like, why were they going someplace? Jesus and, and the disciples were heading out of town, and they saw them, they recognized them, and they were going to this remote location, uh, we think by boat. And they had been out and about, they had been working, interacting, teaching, sharing the God movement, recruiting even. And they learned that John the Baptist had been killed. John the Baptist, really the person who first called everyone to the wilderness, to a deserted place to repent, that the kingdom of God was near, had been imprisoned. And it was in prison that he was executed. And the disciples went and claimed his body and laid him in a tomb. It's fair to say upon hearing that news and having to go and retrieve the body and to lay him in a tomb that Jesus and the disciples were grieving, that they were dealing with many emotions and getting a taste of just how dangerous this God movement could be. You see, Herod, who was the one who was in charge, deep down he had an ear for the teachings of Jesus. He thought that these teachings made a lot of sense. But in the end, he proved to be a puppet. He arrested John because his new wife, who was his brother's wife, had a grudge. And he killed him in prison because of a foolish promise that allowed John's fate to be in the hands of the one who had the grudge. So the one in power proved to be more committed to his family than to his conscience. And next thing we know, the crowds are recognizing the disciples and Jesus and they're gathering and they're in this quiet place alone. I don't think this is just any gathering of people. This is a memorial reception. This is what happens after the burial, when people get together. And he began to teach them many things, the passage says, but what things? There's no stories or parables recorded, no videos, no tweets, no pictures, just the exchange about food. The exchange that, from my perspective, sounds a little snippy. Like, you feed them. What are we supposed to do? Go spend all this money to get food for people? Just send them away. No, you give them something to eat. There they were in the presence of overwhelming need and very few resources. What if that's the lesson? That in that place of overwhelming need and few resources, 
We are to never judge based on our own capacity. Because this is not about the capacity of the disciples or even of Jesus. It's about the capacity of God. God's ability to act in surprising ways. Now I've noticed, and you probably have as well, that at memorial receptions, places of grief, these thin places where vulnerability is magnified, where our well-protected places, our guarded places, fall away. Not just is vulnerability magnified, but the power of words is magnified. And words are hard to come by in those instances. A hello can say volumes. Meaning is also magnified in ritual and gesture. The offering of a card, the hand placed on a shoulder, a hug. Prayers that are known and coveted and shared by a community. Martin Buber, a philosopher, said, it is not the nature of the task, but the consecration that is vital, the setting us apart, the claiming as sacred. And so Jesus took the loaves and the dried fish, the traveling food of poor people. Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed it, and broke it in the midst of those broken spirits. Not enough was not the final answer. More than enough with leftovers. The miracle of the meal points to something other than the bread and the fish and the leftovers. It points to God. God was there with them. In the person of Jesus and others, I'm sure, speaking solace to their spirits and encouragement to their commitments inviting release of resentments and clarity of conscience. Have you noticed that when you've been at memorial celebrations? If you've ever been to a very large gathering, you know what I'm talking about. March 2018, uh, Beth and I made our first trip to Longmont we came incognito and met with the search committee. And we went to a church in, in Denver, in the Columbine section of Denver. And that's when it clicked for me that Columbine, um, what I had only heard of on the news, became more real. And so uh, that day went very well, that weekend went very well. And then Beth and I went back to Delaware. We had already sold our home, and having fallen in love with Longmont and the people on the search committee, we had decided that whether this worked out or not, we were gonna live in Longmont for a period of time. And we went back to our friends because we didn't have a home and we were about to go to Europe for several weeks. And we learned that there was going to be um, a March for Our Lives in D.C. That was in March. The March was in March. 
and it was a youth demonstration. This was following in a response to the grief of the mass killing in Parkland, Florida. Perhaps you're recalling this now. And we went. We decided we were going to go. We were very close geographically, and eliminating gun violence was something we felt very strongly about, and we wanted to be there. We wanted to see, perhaps like some of those who gathered in that place with Jesus and the disciples. This was a very large memorial reception in many ways. There was much emoting and much passion. And many things were taught. God transformed expectations that day. Children and youth led us all. If you aren't familiar with um, these, these speeches, and even if you were at the time, go back and Google Naomi, Parkland, March for Our Lives. She's an 11-year-old black girl. She got it right. Every single word. And the Parkland students, they got it right too. Listen to their words. Listen to what they know now and what they were trying to share. And while many of the words faded, admittedly, when I Googled it this week and I was reminded, I was like, wow, I forgot that. Oh, my gosh. So poignant, so relevant, so timely still. What I hadn't forgotten was the ritual of silence. It was estimated that 200,000 people were in Washington, D.C., over a million people gathering in different places throughout the country. The silence was rich, and it spoke volumes. And God was there. Clarity of conscience, encouragement of commitments, Something has to change. And there were some of the signs that I remembered. The mantle of purpose. And the music. There was music in the streets. It was hard to tell where to go. You know, the sitting or the gathering in 500 or 1,000, looking at different monitors, listening to different people on different stages. God was there speaking truth, speaking encouragement, inviting release of implicit bias towards youth and people of color. There were no two people that looked alike that day. It was a miracle. There was more than enough, and there was leftovers. And of course, the news cycle changed, it always does, but even the Gospels go on to the next thing. But the movement remains the same and continues. 
as Joyce Rupp said, the small wooden flute awaits the breath of one who creates song through its open and I'll add and grieving form. God's presence brings breath and breath becomes sound and sound becomes song. <laughs> 